you can't take the concept of what works in Europe or Japan and say that will work in the U.S. because their world, their experience is completely different. And so you have to think in that way and understand that market, not only to make sure that you communicate your product in the proper way, but also to understand that that consumer has so many other options and selections. And so their worldview of how your product could fit and why they would choose it and the options they have to look at is completely different. From Ellis International, this is the Career Success Podcast. I'm Lauren Stiving, and on today's show, how Mark and Justin, the host of the CPG Insiders Podcast and leaders at Jekyll and Hyde Advertising and Marketing, help consumer brands win in the U.S. market. Mark and Justin, thank you so much for joining me today. And yeah, as we discussed previously, and the reason why I invited you to here today is to talk about brands and brands being successful in the U.S. market. So there are many brands which are successful in Europe, Asia, and Latin America, but when they come to the U.S., they fail. So yeah, I'd love to hear from you both. Why do so many brands fail when they come to the U.S.? Well, let me... I'm going to break it into into groups. Yeah. First, we have um, I'm going to go to legal group first. Mm. So the the standards of the FDA, Federal Drug Administration, and the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, here in the U.S. is different than the standards that are used throughout Europe and Canada and some other places. So, as an example, in Spain, there is a great product in Spain called HelioCare. And HelioCare, we're the advertising agency for HelioCare here in the United States. And you're probably familiar with HelioCare yeah. because you're there. Now, in Spain, we can tell people that HelioCare helps treat and prevent skin cancer. So in Spain, when we say fight skin cancer, take HelioCare, not that hard to sell. <laughs> our FDA says, no, you cannot say that. Because our FDA says that's a drug claim and that's not a drug. So therefore, we can't say that. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that happens with some of these European products is they can make claims in Europe that they can't make here. So all of a sudden, my product prevents skin cancer. Now, all of a sudden, my product is an antioxidant that helps my body resist the damage caused by UV light. That just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Yeah. I was going to say, doesn't roll off the tongue as beautifully. <laughs> exactly. So that's yeah. that's problem one. Yes. Problem two is the United States tends to be a world of infinite selection. So I will give you an example. You can appreciate this because you are from here. We have friends in Spain and our friends from Spain who hadn't been to the United States came over to the U.S. And we took them to a Walmart store. And they walked around a Walmart store saying, what is this witchcraft that I'm seeing? <laughs> because they're walking around, look, seriously, they're walking yeah. around going down the cereal aisle mm-hmm. saying, you have 350 cereal options yeah. in your grocery store. Yeah. We have five. Right. So many times in Europe, a product can be successful because there's five of them in the marketplace. Right. You get over here and it's like, oh, we already have 300 of those. Right. So we have a much bigger selection. We tend to have bigger stores because we have more real estate. Europe is an old country where the real estate's all been taken up. But part of what makes the United States so unique is that 265, 300 years ago, we were just a giant wilderness. 
Right. So the ability to make big cities with big giant footprints with million square foot stores exists. And they don't have that in Europe. So we do. Exactly. So, so that's that's the next issue. The third issue is we're not Europe and we're not Japan and we're not Canada and we're not Australia or New Zealand. But oftentimes brands say, well, this is what's working in the UK. This is what's working in Spain. This is what works mm -hmm. in Italy. They come over to the US and they say, well, this is what we do. So let's do that. That isn't us. We're a completely different market. But keep in mind that we're, for most consumer brands, we're 50 to 60% of the entire world consumption. Right. So your product can be in Europe, but if it's not in the United States, you're not doing remotely the volume or remotely the kind of sales that you could do if you could hear. Because you got to think about, here's this one country that represents half and the other 194 countries are the other half. Right. So, so there's, yeah. there's a pretty big offset that, that has to happen there. So, I mean, those are some of the things that jump out at me the most. Yeah. And, and I think just to expand a little bit about that, again, what Mark is really talking about is the market is completely different. It is completely different from competition standpoint. Yeah. How you message. Exactly. How you advertise. The consumer. Because remember, when we are trying to sell a product to a consumer, and that's what you're trying to do, you're trying to get them to make a choice. You're trying to get them to change a habit. So you have to speak to their world, their universal truth. And so that is created by their experiences. So as Mark was talking about, you can't take the concept of what works in Europe or Japan and say that will work in the U.S. because their world, their experience is completely different. And so you have to think in that way and understand that market, not only to make sure that you communicate your product in the proper way, but also to understand that that consumer has so many other options and selections. And so their worldview of how your product could fit and why they would choose it and the options they have to look at is completely different. So how you approach it, how you understand what is my market? You have to completely rethink it if you're coming to the U.S. because it's not going to be the same. Yeah, and let me give you an example. We call the Olive Garden an Italian restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and if, <laughs> if you've ever been to Rome, if you've been to Roma, if you've been to Firenze, that's not Italian food that, we are, that we're serving here at the Olive Garden. It's American food that resembles right. something you might find in Italy. Exactly. The same goes for Chinese food, Spanish right. food, Mexican food. Right. It's Americanized. Absolutely. And the last thing I will say uh, is going to be the other biggest, I think, challenge or possible mistake that's made is investment. Brands do not understand the investment side size that you need to make in order to penetrate the U.S. market with all of those other challenges because you don't have to do it in their markets. They're so much smaller. So when you're coming over here, they don't understand that the advertising, the marketing budget, how much you have to invest to actually move the needle. Yeah, we're a big money game. It's so much larger. So they have to be prepared to make a massive investment. And depending on exactly what infrastructure they built in the U.S., they have to understand that there's going to be probably a considerable burn rate for a little while to actually get that traction and movement when you're coming over to the U.S. One last thing I want to throw in there, if I could, Lauren, and that is the other thing that's different is how we deal with our retailers. 
Oh, yes, that's a great point. So the way that a Walmart, a Walgreens, a CVS, Rite Aid, Target, Kroger, Publix, HEB, Meyer, the way that they operate and the way they buy product is very different than the way a lot of European retailers buy products. Yeah. Uh, but you also have to keep in mind, let's say you bring your product to the United States and Walgreens says yes. That's 9,000 stores that just mm -hmm. said yes to you. That's like all of Europe. Right. In one meeting. Right. That's how you just did every country in Europe today. Right. So it's a very different equation. Now, there's an upside. And the upside is Americans hold some European products in very high esteem. Mm -hmm. So women here place a high value on European beauty. Oh, yeah. Fashion, too. On Italian fashion. Mm -hmm. On French sense yes on italian design yes on european beauty products mm -hmm. so there are ways that you can leverage yes your history and leverage your background to make it seem more exotic mm -hmm. to make it seem different and, I, and i'll give you an example in the uk there's qvc and it's a branch it's literally just a little branch of qvc for the u.s I've done business with QVC, millions and millions of dollars at QVC. When we do QVC in the UK, they ask us to send over an American spokesperson. And the reason is because they say, well, we just love your American accents. And it's so exotic <laughs> and it adds credibility to the sale. Here in the US, We'll, we will tell people that anything a Brit says sounds smarter than anything an American says. <laughs> so a Brit can come over here and, and read green eggs and ham, and it sounds like he's a genius. <laughs> Correct? It's fair. So you can leverage your yeah. history. You can leverage your origin story if you do it right and if you're in the right category. Yeah, yeah. There are some categories where we're not going to accept it. And there are other categories where we will accept it. Mm -hmm. Great. And what about from the investment perspective, what would you say is the average investment that people should expect or companies should expect from coming to the US? Instead of that, yeah. let me give you an equation to how to figure it out. Because it's going to very widely range. Yeah. And here's the reason. Here in the U.S., there are some categories of business that we will say are quiet categories. Let's see. Let me give you a quiet category. A quiet category right now would be uh, sugar replacement. Yeah. 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 There's not a lot of advertising going on. There. Not a lot of advertising. So stevia, monk fruit, that category. Yep. So if you had a new sugar replacement technology from Europe and you wanted to sell your new sugar replacement technology in the U.S., to get a share of voice wouldn't be terrible. Now, explain for a minute what share of voice is. Absolutely. When we're thinking about the concept of share of voice is taking the entire media spend of a category and then understanding what is your percentage of it. So what's the share of voice that you have within your entire category? And when we've done a lot of studies, Nielsen's done a lot of studies, especially in the U.S. market, that correlates the, the size of your share of voice as it can relate to your share of market. Because, again, the size of the marketplace that it is, the U.S. that it is, the media platforms that it is, marketing is a massive, massive piece of it. If we don't know you're there, 
then we're not going to buy your product because of our infinite selection, right? Right. So let's say that I'm coming over with my sugar replacement. So what I would do, these are the data points you need to collect. Yep. You first need to collect the data points is how big is the category? You can get the category through things like what are called IRI or Nielsen scan data. So now you look, and let's say we look and we see the sugar uh, replace. I'm just making up numbers, right? And now. you're talking about just when you say size of category, he means the the revenue, the businesses themselves. The Total market, dollars sold by right? all the retailers. Okay. So I look at that. And again, these are not the right numbers. I'm just making examples. I look up my category and my category says, all of the companies in this category currently sell $100 million. Now, here in the U.S., a category of $100 million, we call a very tiny category. Yeah, that's small. That's a really tiny category. Yeah. So I look and I say, okay, so everybody's selling monk fruit and right. stevia total $100 million. That's step one. So now I look and I say, how, how big is, that's how big my current market is. Then I need to do some research through different sources, such as like Mintel or whatever the case is. Cantar. Cantar. And I need to look and say, of all the $100 million that are selling products, what percentage of the U.S. does that make up? So I look and I see, okay, so the this category sells $100 million and only 10% of Americans even buy in this category. Yeah. So now I look and say, okay, so I could chase the $100 million I could try to pull off business from the 100 million, or I could try to make the universe bigger. Because if only 10% of Americans buy it, if I could make it 12% of Americans buy it, right. I just made the universe bigger. Now, the next thing we do is we want to look at something which is called Cantar data. Mm -hmm. Cantar data shows us how much did all those people spend in media. Right. So if I've got this 100 million category, and then I look at the ad spend, and I see that all the companies together spent $10 million, okay? Now I know that I need to spend $1 million if I want to have 10% share of voice. Mm -hmm. So I look at them and say, okay, 10% share of voice, that's enough to get me started. Yep. Because mathematically, a new 10% share of voice will equal you know one or two points of market share. So it's like, yeah. okay, $100 million category. Right. I'm going to spend a million bucks. I can get two or $3 million worth of sales. That gets me started. Yep. I'm, I'm moving. But let's say I go instead, let's say I, I decide I make a topical arthritis cream. And I look at that category. And that category is $1.2 billion in the US. Mm -hmm. But then I look at the spend and I see the spend is over a hundred million. So now I'm saying I want to get 10% share of voice. Well, if the spend's over a hundred million, I need to walk into town with $10 million in my pocket. Right. Because it's going to take $10 million to have a 10% share of voice. Right. So you kind of see where I'm going. It's less about how many dollars I need. And it's about how many or how many dollars should I be ready? It's about how many dollars do right. I need based on the category I'm breaking into. And the other factors that we're not even considering here, and what we always recommend is for companies who are trying to break in the U.S. market, build a U.S. infrastructure. That's going to be key, okay? Make sure that you have a U.S. team here that is going to help you run this business and expand this business. Because a lot of what Mark's talked about too, the pathway to retail is going to be critical for you as well. 
And the way that business works, it relies on people, it relies on relationships, and you need to have people here that understand how that functions, which is another investment that you have to consider. The beauty of it is you could you could run your company in Spain. Absolutely. You could hire a master broker firm in the U.S. who will now have a U.S. office and a yeah. U.S. address and a U.S. presence. That master broker will operate as your vice president of sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. You now have a U.S. presence and you hired a firm who now has personal relationships with all of those retailers. Yes. So now you're not brand X out of the UK that no one's ever heard of. Your brand X out of the UK that I haven't heard of being presented to me by people I've been doing business with for 20 years. Mm -hmm. exactly. You may be foreign and exotic, but you're not an unknown entity to me because you were brought to me by people I make money with every day. Yep. Mm -hmm. These are brokers who have 35 items in my store and I do a hundred million dollars a year with this broker. Right. And he's profitable. So he brings me another item. Okay. I'm making a hundred million bucks with him. Well, let's look and see yeah, what he's got. Exactly. Cause he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Now it's not always easy to get a broker to take your product. Your product still has to be good. So where I'm going to go with this is if you kind of have a niche category, then breaking in, is probably a lot easier. If you're trying to jump in because you've got a new hair care line or a new uh, anti-wrinkle cream, right? that's a big boy game when you when yeah. you jump into that space because you're dealing with some big players yeah. with some big money here in the U.S. It is not unusual for a major brand here in the U.S. to spend 50 to $100 million a year just on one brand yeah. in advertising. Yeah, exactly. That's, mm -hmm. that's, not, that's not out of line. Nope. The other thing I would say, a lot of these companies, when they make their jump over here, sometimes what we need to do is we need to build them kind of an underground following first. Mm -hmm. So we need to put them on a Shopify site. We need to get them on Amazon. Yeah. We need to build some early adapters for them, yeah. get them some early wins, start to get some passionate early adapters using their product across the country. Yeah. And then we talk to retail. Because now we're able to go to the buyer and say, hey, look, we've got 50,000 people here in the U.S. that are now using this. Even though you haven't heard of it, we've got 50,000 people using this product. Yeah. And that matters. The retailers, okay, that's a pent-up demand. That, that makes sense to me. Exactly. No, I think all of this has been very, very helpful. And I would love to ask many, many more questions, but then I think this would turn into a multiple hour discussion. So yeah, I wanted to ask as well, I'm sure there are listeners that may want to reach out and have more questions that may be interested in learning more. Um, what's the best way to, to find you guys? So there's a couple of ways. One, if you're looking to get information on the consumer packaged goods industry in the U.S., our website is cpginsiders.com yep. or the podcast is cpginsiders.com. So just go to wherever you get podcasts. It yep. could be Apple, wherever, you yep. know, Spotify. Spotify there. Yep. Go there and just look up CPG Insiders. And we have a huge inventory of shows there covering all kinds of topics, how to yep. get in Walmart, how to get in Walgreens, so on and so forth. Or you can get a hold of Justin or I at our agency, which is Jekyll Hyde Labs. Dot com. Yep. yep. Or CPG Insiders is easier to spell. Yep. <laughs> or you find us at jnhlabs.com if that's easier for you. Yes, that's true. That is the shortened version. That's the short version of the URL. All right. Easier. And we are we're always happy. Uh, I would tell you we 
we deal with a lot of companies from outside of the U.S. Yes. We're always happy to take the calls. We will do meetings with you. We'll give you advice. We're not always right for you. You're, you're not always right for the U.S. We will always be honest with you. Um, so we may tell you you're not primetime ready and, and send you off with some homework. But we will tell you the truth and we will try to always. save you from basically getting your head ripped off coming into the U.S. Because it can happen. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll also put these links in the notes in the podcast where where this will be posted as well. So yeah, thanks to you both. And um, I really appreciate you coming today. Thanks, thanks Lauren. Lauren. It's been a pleasure to be here. Bye.